Hello, hello. What's up? What's good? A up? Ni hao, bonjour. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most creative, tenacious, and interesting people around the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Such a terrific show for today with a wonderfully charismatic and intelligent guest, actor, comedian, and writer, Nicole Majdali joins the show. I gotta tell you, I had never spoken to Nicole before, and our conversation ended up being the longest conversation I've had on the show. After the interview concluded, we continued to chat and ended up speaking for almost 90 minutes. She's just someone that I clicked with right away because of her similar interests, but also because she's had such a fascinating life, and it's been far from a linear life. She's had plenty of struggles and setbacks along the way, and because of that, it's allowed her to have this beautiful and optimistic perspective and philosophy going forward. She's a deep thinker, and it's those past challenges and scars that exist in her life that have pushed her forward to greater things and have pushed her into being a comedian and have assisted her as a writer and as an actor. She's a SAG actor and a stand-up comic in Southern California. She's had roles in movies, including several national and regional commercials and stage productions. In 2016, she shared part of her life story in a short independent film called Pretty Funny Nicole. It's based on her stand-up comedy and some very personal details of her life. It is an inspirational story to help those struggling around the world. The short film has already won a couple of different awards, including Best Comedy in the Hollywood Film Competition and Best Film in the L.A. Shorts Awards. Nicole's love of laughing and making others laugh to help her overcome her stage fright, pursue her love of comedy around the country. And of course, I love chatting with Nicole because she has an extreme passion for traveling. When she was younger, she studied overseas in Cairo. She has a heart for inspiring and helping others, and you can witness that throughout her performances. On today's episode, Nicole chats about her short film, Pretty Funny Nicole, and she talks about where she finds creative inspiration in writing and for stand-up. And finally, we just talk about how she persevered through the year and, of course, some of her favorite books that she has read recently. I guess earlier it was a pleasant surprise chatting with Nicole, uh, especially for as long as we did. Fantastic, fantastic human. I am excited for her to finish her book and to, to see what other amazing accomplishments she has coming forward in 2021. She has a fascinating backstory that has helped curate her compassion for life and for others, and I'm proud to have her on the show today. Thrilled for you guys to meet her, so let's go ahead and bring on writer, actor, and stand-up comic, Nicole Majdali, and let's learn. One of the things that I love the most about you is that you have a lot of different things going on, a lot of diverse projects. You're always busy, always working on something. So have you always been like that? Has that always been kind of your, in your DNA? Uh, another thing, taking a little picture for social media. <laughs> I'm sorry. Another thing is um, that I go, okay, he didn't mention this is I am sober eight years. Mm -hmm. So when you asked that question, I was like, have I? And I thought, no, I was too busy drinking and partying and just living life in that moment. And I think I right now I work so hard and I'm always so busy because I'm making up for all that time I lost. I feel I feel behind. So I work really hard now and I'm working on many, many things at once. Tell me about the movie, Pretty Funny Nicole, and what was the idea behind it? I, um, I've been working on a book forever. <laughs> I think even before I was, I think I started it before I was even sober because I had such a, a story from, it's crazy. And then, um, so I started working on a book 
Then when I got into comedy, also about eight, nine years ago, I decided to make the book a little lighter. And I'm like, I'm a comedian. Let's let's make this fun and not so heavy. And I was on a film, an indie film. And when I saw it premiered, it was like, this is really good. So I had a meeting with the director and I said, I just didn't understand why everybody was doing these indie films and like everybody's always doing these like indie projects. And I asked her like, what is this? I mean, I don't, I wanted to get paid. I wanted, you know, like, I was, mm-hmm. so she explained to me like, you could win an Oscar, you can, you know, get picked up, you could da 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 da. And I told her, I said, I have a story, you know, and I think it would make a great movie. What do you think? So I sent her part of my book that I had done and she saw it and she created like a, you know, like a template for the movie and we just did it. And that's, it's my story. I felt I had a story to tell and this, it was super scary. It was really, I just was terrified. I think this was when I I was sober here. I should know these things, but it was, it was definitely when I was sober because I couldn't, it was very hard to bear some of these things out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And well, and the thing was that was 2016. It won awards, which was exciting. And it was kind of the main topic was me too, but it was before me too. Yeah. Because I, gave a speech after the screening and I said, nobody talks about this. So I think somebody in Hollywood saw it. (laughs) Probably. I agree. (laughs) You mentioned that it was tough to, to bear it. So when you're doing something that's autobiographical, how do you handle the vulnerability that you have? Because you want to put something that's interesting. You're like, my story is interesting, but I don't want necessarily know that it's my story. And then you feel like people might look at you differently. So how do you put a great story out there? without filtering it and having the confidence to do it. I don't know. We just got to be brave and I have the right people. I was terrified and I kept saying, you know, you always doubt yourself and I have learned and I tell everybody you can't achieve greatness without doing something that scares you. Comfort is just not the best place. So, so I've been doing a lot of things. I do a lot of things to get me out of my comfort zone. So if it scares you, it's probably good. Love it. Love it. Now, stand-up comedy, another talent of yours. What are your rituals on the day of, like, how do you get yourself in the right mindset to get up on stage? I, I, I walk around. I pace. I do anything but comedy. Ah, <laughs> you, sound like, you sound like a writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. It's, you're supposed to be writing. You're supposed to be – I. I am so spontaneous. I even, I stand before I go up. I don't even know my set. I don't have the standard set. Like mm-hmm. some people, it's just written out. It's like a script. I read the crowd. I look, I'm like, what are they going to like of mine? What are they not going to like of mine? And then I go up, I, I picked right then and there. And it's crazy. It's a crazy way to live. <laughs> yeah. What's your relationship with the crowd? Even as far as things like eye contact, right? If you're looking around, sometimes there's always one person who's giving you attention and, and then you feel in the back of your mind like, cool, someone's giving me attention and you feel like you want to lock in on them, but you don't want to isolate the rest of the crowd. How do you relate to the audience? I think, you know, um, 
It's fun to engage, but a lot of times you really can't see them. It's mm -hmm. the lights, so it looks like you're looking at them. So that helps me because, okay. you know, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to connect and be in my head. So okay. it looks like I'm connecting, I think, more than I am. <laughs> yeah. What's the creative process into creating the content for the show? How are you drawing your inspiration? How much writing are you doing? And then with that also, who are your allies that you bounce ideas off? Yeah, you had me thinking when I heard that. I was like, uh, I am in some writing groups, but I've talked to musician friends of mine. And for me, my experience is... Uh, I do some writing groups and sometimes they'll help you and they might give you, you know, a little tagline, something great, but often they take me off path. Like whenever I've tried to write with people, they, they're like, I'm like, that's not, it's not what I'm saying, or that's not me. And some people will say, you got to create a character. But for me, my, my jokes are, I have a character, but it, it's my story. You know, because my story shocks people and it's funny because they don't, they really think I am joking and I'm not joking. <laughs> it's really it's things that happen. And What's the I've line done. on the, the beginning of the, the trailer for Pretty Funny Nicole? It talks about tragedy and time. Mm -hmm. what, what's that line again? Tragedy, Carol Burnett once said, tra uh, comedy is tragedy plus time. Plus time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I started comedy as a way to deal with demons. And anytime something really hurts, I tell people that's what I do is I talk about it on stage. I make a joke at it. You know, you, you poke fun at the monster. So. Wow. That's incredible. A lot of emotional ups and downs when you're on stage. I think one of the greatest feelings in the world, right, is telling a joke and having people laugh or it's your own content. You're like, wow, they, they, you know, they like me. This is great. Then on the flip side, if there's a joke bombing, it could be very devastating. So how do you handle the emotional roller coaster of being on stage? And again, we mentioned about being vulnerable. So, but it just, it's just a crazy amount of emotions that can go on in, 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 in the course of a set. When, when you said that, when I read that, I was like, bomb, I don't bomb. Ah, yeah, what is that? Yeah, maybe, you just have, maybe the key to the bombing is having a short memory where you forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of people hear this and say, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> I... Um, I have had moments where in the beginning where it's just like, you're like a deer in the headlights. You're like, this is supposed to laugh. I'm, I'm used to laughing, but you become used to it. You become like, okay, I gotta, I, I just, like I said, I read the crowd. I go with the flow. I'm not stuck to a script. And I think if you flop and you acknowledge it, that's when you get a laugh. It's funny. Okay. Go, okay. Well, they, they like that in Detroit, but not here. Or something. Uh, I like that. You got to acknowledge it. It's if, if you stick to a script and you just keep going, it's not funny. But if you acknowledge it, it's funny. Yeah. I learned that. Where do you find your creative inspiration? Is there a muse that you have? I know you mentioned a lot of it is, is your own personal demons, but I'm sure there's other times where you are inspired and find creativity. So outside of your own personal experiences, where else do you find creativity? Um, well, I... I mean, I grew up, it's, I think the only reason we do this and this suffer and it's like the craziest job in industry uh, is because you have to, you love it. You know, it's, I've been wanting to do this since I was a kid and I just didn't have the courage. I, I was a kid and I saw TV and I was like, I want to do that. I want to be part of a family, you know, on the set and 
You know, it's just, it's a desire that you just can't shake. I cannot sit in an office. I cannot, you know, be a nine to five. I just can't do it. And I'd rather take all the hardships and that's what we do. And when I, especially like right now when we're in quarantine, you know, there's not a lot going on for me. Um, And, you know, you're not auditioning, you're not doing comedy much. I do like the Zoom and all that, but um, you're not as driven. And you go, do I really want to do this? And it's like, yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I still do. (laughs) So... It oh, and they see good shows, like watching these shows. Like, it's like, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to do something. I want, I want to touch people and make them feel what I'm feeling. So yeah. yeah, it's just, you have to do it. So I'm sure, I'm sure you have a notepad or you're taking notes on your phone when you're watching things. Cause I know there's inspiration everywhere, even in music, you can hear it. So what are some of the shows or personal things you go on to when you're like, I just want to sit and enjoy, maybe get some, get some ideas. What are the ones that you've enjoyed this year? Oof, like there's so many. I saw, you know, Ozark Mm -hmm. and it is so subtle, but Laura Linney just amazed me. Like I started Googling, where did she study? Like she doesn't even have to do anything. She's just there and you just see it. Um, But I'm watching right now, my show is called The Midwife Mm -hmm. and it's just delightful. I love the characters. Um, There's there's something beautiful about that show. Like I go, why aren't there more shows like this? Cause it's inspiring. It makes you want to be a better person, which is not what most TV does. Mm. So, you know, you just, you're always analyzing. Um, what's another good one. I know I, I, you know, you draw a blank. Like what have I seen? I've seen, yeah, I saw the Queens gamut. That was great. Shit's Creek was like my Shit's Creek was my go-to. It's always been a favorite, and then through quarantine, that's like you need light. I, I wanted, I hope to do more comedy. I think, but yeah. that leads me into a question about the year in quarantine. So, how have you handled just the many difficulties? Obviously, the emotional challenges, but also the lack of performances that you have, and then just the how do you create when there's no show and, and everything? So, how have you handled the year as a performer? Well, when it all started, uh, I'm a, I just, I've overcome so much. I was like, this is still not the worst thing for me. You know, I hate to say it. It's just, it's not. And it was, it was a vacation for me. I don't watch news. So I always told people that were struggling with depression, watch what you're watching. You know, like somebody I knew close was like watching The Handmaid's Tale. I go, well, that's got to stop. It's not the show to watch right now. It's a great show. I love it. But, well, you need, I told her, you got to watch Schitt's Creek or something, you know, get you, stay light, stay positive. Um, I've had to, I've changed who I talk to, you know, Uh, if people were downers and like would tell me stuff. I had somebody say something that I told her, I said, you put me like on the couch for a few days. I was like, Um, so protect yourself. I've learned that and, um, work, it's given me time to do so much. It's like, I, I do watch more Netflix and stuff that I used to, cause I never had time, but there's just an opportunity. It's like, I had this break, this chance to get things done that I need to do. So I just, I've encouraged people don't waste time. This is not 
this is, you know, you can use this for good or you can use this for bad. So yeah, I, okay. I've taken it as an opportunity and I'm a homebody, so I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With your challenges and difficulties in the past, I know that mental health is a priority for you. As you just mentioned too, about eliminating negative energy and whether it be the people you talk to, shows you watch, the things you consume, you're all, you're making it a point this year, positive energy only. So what are some of your other mental health practices that help you stay in the right frame of mind and, and keep you just in a positive headspace, a peaceful headspace? What are your just daily practices or weekly practices that you have? Oh, good question. Oh, another thing I landed this opportunity. I, I love to write. I hope to finish my book too. Um, and so I've been writing for a skincare magazine because I have a background in makeup and skin. And that's been amazing because I get these printed, you know, it's, it's helping me see it's happening. Mm -hmm. well, for 2021, I have a video segment with them and it's based on what I like to do. And I like to tell people from my learning what I've learned the hard way and the long way things to take care of yourself, you know, and there's so many things I've changed the people and, you know, sometimes just because you grew up or you know, I go, I'm, I'm not afraid to cut people off. I hate to say it, but, um, you know, if somebody leaves you feeling doubtful, you know, just, you got to stop. It's a choice. Diet, food, nutrition, is a, a huge part of mental. So I talk big time. I'm always, most people don't want to hear it, but <laughs> it's like I have my elixirs. I drink things. I eat healthy. Um, I cringe when I see people eating certain things. It's like, it's just so bad for your mood, you know, depression. Uh, I try to do some exercise. I'm not as good as I used to be, but I was sitting outside and it's getting that little bit of sunlight, you know, yoga. I am a big yoga person, even though I'm not, haven't been as good meditation. You know, T I started TM right before I moved back to LA and it got me through a lot. Uh, a lot of drama came at me and I was able to maintain, but I fell off that wagon. You know, it's all about getting on, getting off and, and taking what you need at the time. So, um, watch, watch something funny, light, pick up the phone, call the right person, engage, you know, say yes to things like this. And I've been doing so many zoom and I like zoom, you know, it's, I've been doing things like a funny thing was I connected with all my childhood, like, uh, I loved the Go-Go's. So like I, I've been engaging in these things where I think they know who I am or, you know, Martha Quinn was a VJ when I was a child and she's chatting and I was sharing with people like, she's talking about me, you know, it's fun. Don't focus on the negative. Cause I mean, we all have it. And, and that's where my book came from was I was so sick of people saying Nicole's got it easy. Cause I've heard people say that and they had no idea even now the baggage I have and the things I'm dealing with, but it's a choice, you know, and it's a hard job every day to make yourself feel okay and, and, and focus and change. And it's, I'm not saying I don't wake up at nights and I don't have fears and, you know, but you, you, there's things you can do. So very well said. Very well said. 
Thank you. Cairo. I was there last week and you spent some time, ah! you spent some time in Egypt. What are some of your favorite memories? Um, I miss it so much. I have a friend, she just moved back and she was just posted a picture in the Khan Khalili, you know, and I said, I'm not jealous. And I haven't been back. I had a lot of problem, you know, there, it's in the book. That's part of the story, but there was also beauty. I mean, I really miss Egypt so much. Um, I really, I went to school there and I was in love there. And that's a main part of the story. My life became a train wreck when I left there. But I mean, I hope part of my, my book, my film is filmed there because it's, isn't it, it's just magical. It's romantic. It's, it's just amazing. I've been watching Netflix, like Egyptian shows. I'm trying to remember my Arabic and, there's just something I grew up in LA. I was a California girl. Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like I belong there. You know, it's just, there's something very powerful over there. So um, I have many great memories. I have many horrific memories. Um, I was in two rollover car accidents. You've seen how they drive. <laughs> I, I, since I came back, I have told everyone I met that, Egyptians are the best drivers on the planet because the freeways, six lanes of cars going into four lanes and they're not even marked. And then there's a, the bus stop on the freeway. <laughs> so the traveling along at 60 miles an hour and then it comes a complete stop. So you have to be a great driver. Oh my God. I don't even, it's been a long time since I've been there and I've heard it's worse. So I can't even imagine. But I remember when I was, I was in the car with my boyfriend at the time and and he hit somebody. We were downtown Cairo and he bumped some ladies, you know, they came out and they were covered and they like picked up their little thing and he's just like apologizing and you just go. It's like, you sorry. Just go. There, just, there's, yeah. It's, like, it's go-karts. It was go-karts. Yeah. There's no, none of this litigious, you know, suing and. Yeah, my I, bad. You just say sorry because probably the next day you'll get hit. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other part that I thought was interesting is as you're driving along, you're like, why is there, why is traffic backed up? Oh, it's a, it's a cart being pulled by a donkey and he's in the wrong lane. So you have to veer around the donkey. Yes. But I, I was hoping to go back soon. I am ready to see it. Um, a lot of my trauma, it's, I haven't been ready to go back, but I'm, I'm finally ready. I feel healed and um, I miss it. I really miss it. I miss the food and, and I'm going to ask you when you're done interviewing, I got to hear about your experience there because okay. I, I had new people, you know, I don't know if you're from there or how you ended up there. Yeah, well, we'll chat about that. What it would be your favorite day trip from Cairo? Because there's a lot of options. Go south, go north to Alexandria. So favorite day trip out of the capital? Just like being in California, I don't think I took advantage okay of this, you know, like, people, oh, you must have been the looks or you must, I can't yeah. do anything that. Okay. I've always, I've not been that kind of driven person. Like I got to see that I am now, which yeah. I'm bummed, but it's like, I get very lazy even on vacation. Like, I'm like, I'm good here. <laughs> like, I don't want to run. And even when I was there, but I went to school, my school was right by the pyramids. So we used to go horse. That was the activity I chose for after school. We go horseback riding by the yeah. pyramids. So that was like my hobby. I remember the family, we used to go to Alexandria. In fact, one of my car accidents, it was a fatal car accident and I was hospitalized, was right in that desert road. 
um, that that was very traumatizing. Uh, but I went to places, I think I went to El Arish, a beautiful, I mean, the oceans there. I wish I did more. Yeah. Oh, and if I, go I think back- that's natural though, right? Like I hadn't been to the Grand Canyon only until a few years ago. It's when, it, when you live there, there's less of a need to like, <laughs> go explore it. So. Okay. Is it normal? I don't know. I feel I, like. I hope, I hope, I hope, right? <laughs> people do things. I'm like, yeah. I don't do things unless somebody takes me. I'm just yeah. not that. Egyptian food, part of Mediterranean cuisine, maybe even Middle Eastern cuisine, depending on what uh, you define it as. What would be the go-to food choice what should someone order for any region in the Mediterranean slash Middle East? Because it's my favorite cuisine. Is- the middle. Well, they're different, you know. Living in Michigan, it was mostly Lebanese and mm-hmm. things were very different. I finally found a restaurant a few years ago there that made koshery. Okay. You know, there was like so many Egyptian things that it just, you can't find and nobody makes it like they do. Um, yeah, like the kosher, but I can't eat it. I can't eat any of these things anymore. But the koshery, the grape leaves, the um, all that homemade. I was fortunate to live with, you know, uh, the mother I lived with was an amazing cook. I porked, I plumped up there. It was just like it was so good. Um, gosh, the juices when you walk on the street. I mean, I don't know if I still would do that, but it's like you know, you just walk in that fresh juice. Um, but I'm at the fool. I wasn't a falafel person, but now it's like one of the things I can eat. I don't think I'd be as brave as, you know, I was young and fearless and I tried everything, yeah. but I was actually a vegetarian for one of the years when I was there and they tricked me and they were like, half of this. And I was like, is it meat? And it was very, oh my God, that was like forever ago where people weren't vegetarians and it was so hard. And it was the holiday where they had like the, sh- the cut sheep or something and I was like I had to say no it was so hard to get through and the way I stopped being a vegetarian I forgot about this story was after surviving Egypt not eating meat we ended we stopped in Vienna and somebody had a veal scallopini and said you know it was the most amazing thing and I thought how often am I in Vienna and I have yeah (laughs) and then I was never vegetarian again yeah but they tricked me and the the sandwich was and I after I said I liked it and I admitted it I said what was it and they said brain I said well that's me (laughs) it was cow brain yeah so I I don't know if I'd be as brave now because I I ate like pigeon and all that Mm. you know and I liked it pigeon was on the menu and I wanted to try it uh I didn't just timing wise I didn't get to but I was I was ready to try it so it's, it's always like a little bit of balance. Like I want to try some things like I've done Agus in Scotland, but at the same time, I want to also eat food that I like. So it's weird balance. In what ways are you stronger? Are you better? Have you evolved than when we started the year in 2020 in January? Stronger, better, evolved. Um, that's tough. Well, I think it's taken a lot, you know, we all had to self, you know, like reflect and think, what do I really want? You know, I was, I'm here in LA going, do I really want this? You know, things were changing. My whole heart, all my heart is saying, I want to move back overseas. That's what I really, really want. 
because I could be doing certain things out here. And I, I've said no, you know, um, I think this is, it's like, do you want to, do I want to go be background for, you know, during COVID? I'm like, no. <laughs> and I normally find much joy on being on a set. Just, I don't know. I don't know if that's, I think just priorities changed. Am I stronger? Um, I feel, I, th I feel I've weakened actually a little bit out here. Because yeah. when I came back to LA, I was like, so empowered. I had the right people in Michigan. I had made so many changes. And then I started from scratch in LA. So I've learned people who they're not really my friends, you know, so I don't have the support group I'm used to. So Maybe I guess the strength is I learned I can do things alone. I don't know. I've had to do a lot alone yeah. during this time. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't feel, I just feel I'm praying. Like I'm hopeful. I talked to some people in Michigan today. I'm like, I 2021 is going to be so good. I think some changes, I think we've woken up in some ways that, like things that we just have to focus on and change and this whole quiet time. Um, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> we're always hopeful at the beginning of the year. We were hopeful before 2021 or 2020. So I don't know, but I am hopeful that great things are coming. Yeah. Well, what do you want from the new year, both personally and professionally and, and what do you want, but also what are some of the goals that you have for the year? I need to finish that book. Mm -hmm. I keep, as you said, it's so hard to write. And I think 2020 set me back in that just a bit because we've had to learn how to do so many other things. You know, I had to learn how to generate income in a whole new way. So I, you know, educate in wellness and stuff online because that's what brought me joy right now. Um, I have... Yeah, I think that's, again, it's paying attention to what brings you joy and what doesn't. And there, there have been things where I just went, I can't do this right now. I'm not, this isn't, I don't have time for this. So um, I want to write that book and I want to finish that. I want, I'm going to have my comedy special, hopefully filmed in person, you know, when we get back out there. So I want to have a solid 45 minutes, which is hard because I'm not getting to working on zoom is not the same as, you know, being in crowds, but yeah, those are two goals. I want to travel. I got to go somewhere. I am like, I'm missing that big time. That's what's aching in my heart a lot is travel, go somewhere new, go, go overseas, go to Egypt, go to Jordan, go to, you know, I'm from, my family's from Jerusalem, and I was able to go a couple years ago, and that was just heaven, so. I love it. Fantastic answer. I, I admire your, your introspection and your honesty. Fantastic. Are you a reader? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Your face lit up. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I like you even more. All right. What has been your favorite book of the year? So what I read, um, this is the first year, I think, that I'm not reading, like, just uh industry stuff um i've been able to recent and read novels and i read i read chick lit <laughs> i like Kristen hannah yes don't don't say another word don't say another word don't say another word hold on 
The number one book that the number one book that I've given as a gift, I must have bought th- this book fifty times, is a Kristen Hanna novel. But um, Nightingale. Yes, and don't say. <laughs> no, hold on, don't say another word about the Nightingale. Currently, I'm reading this. Oh, okay, yeah, because they're making all the yeah. That was one of my first. Anyone who's listened to the show or anybody who knows me knows that the Nightingale might be like the most important thing in my life. Like, not even I'm not most important book, not most. It's just most important thing. And I'll share something with you. (laughs) I picked something that I thought Ah. on my monologue. Okay, okay, okay. So, what is what are the ones you what are the parts you have highlighted there? What are those? It's the, it's, it's, uh, it's from her book. The yeah, yeah, but what, what, read, read me what's highlighted. I got to hear, what, you're going to feed it into my veins right now, what you have highlighted. It's when um, Isabel stands there and says, they don't, um, Isabel, oh wait, I'm not, it wasn't Isabel. Um, Isabel and my father, Julie and Rosignol, and their friends ran the Nightingale escape route. Together they saved over 117 men. Isabel and I didn't talk much during the war. She stayed away from me to protect me from the danger of what she was doing. So I didn't know everything Isabel had done until she came back from Ravensbrück. The Isabel who came back from the concentration camp was not this woman who survived the bombing at Tours or crossed the Pyrenees. That Isabel, who came home, was broken and sick. She was unsure of many things, but not about what she'd done. On the day before she died, she sat in the shade beside me and held my hand and said, V, it's enough for me. Well, that's not where it's supposed to start, but I just grabbed this scrap. It's supposed to start where it's, uh, she says, like, how she helped many people, including people in this room. You know, like that, I got chills. It's like, I go, I'm going to make a monologue from this because you want something nobody's done yet. And so I've had this copied for like a couple months. And I thought one of these days I'm going to sit here and I'm going to film it because I want people to be like, what's that from? (laughs) I don't even know what to tell you because literally the book that I always recommend every person on the show, I'm like, oh, have you read The Nightingale? It's my, it's my, my go-to question for anyone who reads. I've bought it at least 50 times. It was the only book in my life where, where I purposely, you know, normally you're like, I got to finish, <laughs> get my quick, are you videotaping? Say what, bu- say what book again? The Nightingale is not even my favorite book, but my most important thing that I've ever experienced in my life. So. <laughs> I'm only taping it because I um, have a friend who does um, book reviews and she, I, I took a picture of my little Kristen Hanna books because I've just been knocking those out this year. Um, Did you read The Great Alone, her follow-up? That's the one I got at last December. It's oh, good. And I'll be back into her books. That, I mean, it's, I love that it's completely different, but it's, it's pretty damn good. I mean, it's, it's, Nightingale's a perfect score, but Great Alone is near perfect. That was the first one I picked up. And then I got back onto Kristen Hanna because mm. like, I couldn't put it down. And I am reading this other book somebody recommended. I had one that I couldn't finish. I went, it's just like I was saying, when you, when you do something and it's not bringing you joy, I was like, I'm just yeah. I'm this book. It was just so painful. And I'm, I'm reading this one called Seven Sisters from Lucinda Riley. And I'm just stuck. I'm, yeah. I'm just not addicted. And I just keep going back to her books. So this year I read The Great Alone. 
then I think it was the Nightingale, um, the home front. Oh, so mm. good. Um, what was another? There was like, must've been at least four, but now I have winter garden. I have to read and I have the sequel to that one, which is like fire or something. Okay. That, yeah. But I've now I've I pretty much almost read all her books, but I, I don't like her earlier stuff. I've okay. read some not so great when her earlier writing. Yeah. Oh, between sisters, I read this year too. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and I said I got my mom into them. My mom likes the murders and the mysteries and all that. So she's I've been buying her, and I sent her the things we do for love. Mm. And my mom goes, "This made me cry more than the others." So I said, save it. Cause I read it so many years ago. I go, I remember I like, that's when I started really liking her. And I just stumbled upon her way back when, when we could mail paperbacks and I was in this paperback swap and there was a huge demand for this book called true colors. Uh -huh, let's see it. And it's, it's hard trying somebody you've never read because mm -hmm. like what I'm going through right now, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be worth it. Yeah. And the one that I couldn't finish, I've seen blah reviews. And my friend who's reviewing books, she, she was like being like, eh, it was okay. It was slow. And then I'm like, I couldn't finish it. I didn't bother. And it was, she goes, it was, you know, people are being nice. And I'm like, if I can't finish it, it's not great. Finally, somebody who likes her like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you'll be interested. I got to do that monologue now because that's the only monologue that I've, thought I'll take this, you know? Yeah. You've got to do the monologue and then you've got to finish your book. Those are the things that you got to do for me. I work good with deadlines. Like I, yeah. I had a video every 15th, my video segment for the magazines do. And I did it yesterday, you know? <laughs> same, same. There's sometimes where I won't do something. I specifically wait, not, not procrastinating different. I wait because of the added anxiety that comes with it. Like for me, that's fuel. That's like, that's like drinking coffee or something. It's like, okay, I gotta get this done. I gotta get this done. I got that added anxiety. It's just straight business and it's great. So I, I procrastinate on purpose for deadlines. Hmm. Okay. So, I, I hope somebody puts more pressure. I need the pressure for the book. Wow, like, I can I can easily be the annoying person and say, "Have you finished it?" Have you finished it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. When you think about the fact that your life has not been linear, the fact that you've had setbacks, are you in in some ways are you are you proud of that? Yes, and that's where the book comes. I go. I hope to touch people and help. I can only I can help people in certain ways. You know because I've been there or I understand. I go to the rescue mission that it's the homeless shelter in downtown LA. And I would do my comedy and I talk about my, you know, addiction. You do, you do your comedy at a homeless shelter? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they're fun. It's a fun crowd. Wow. What an amazing idea. Uh, just even just put an event like that. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then I do I do the jokes. I was like, can I do my cocaine jokes? Can I do my? And they're like, do everything, and they love it. They relate, you know. And and then they'll come up to me after. But I was so, and you know, I'm sober, and you know, if you're sober, you know, eight years, you could come back and visit too. <laughs> you can come back here, um, but 
yeah, it, but they would come up to me with these eyes and I know it, you know, and it's just so heartbreaking. I, you know, I'm dealing with it right now. I, you know, I have family that's very addicted and it's so, that's the pain that I, I feel it more than anybody. During those uncertain times, eight years ago, and even uncertain times this year, what was your, what was your why that pushed you through and powered you through? I felt saved. You know, it was like, there was no question. I have never fallen off the wagon. I don't even think about it because for, and I, I'm not in the, the, you know, groups or anything. I mean, I did it. It was just, um, I say divine intervention. And I just look, if I even have a thought, I look at who I was then and who I am now no question. And, and I think that's why I, back to making up for lost time was it's a waste of time, you know, and, and what I see in other people is the resentment, the blame, the pity. And, and we, I had, it's like that Glinda, you know, you had the power all along. <laughs> so I see that and it's, it's my choice. I, that's something I hate about my industry, you know, Hollywood, they glamorize drinking and all this. And it's like, there's, I don't know many stories that end well, you know, and I, so I don't know, but uncertainty, once you, when you've been there and you've been here, it's like, there's no uncertainty. I have never been happier. I've, I'm like, I'm the person I dreamed of being. Even this morning I sit, you know, not a homeowner anymore in LA living the dream and you know, but I'm like, I love it. It's mine. You know, you just find, you know how to find joy in anything. So even when the pandemic hit, it just helped me. And one of my friends, she's a therapist for addicts. And she goes, cause I was doing fine. I was like the happiest person. Like, Ooh, you know, I, I could, you know, I like being home. And in the beginning I was really doing good. Then I had some ups and downs, but she said, all my sober people are doing fine because we know it's one day at a time. You know, this whole thing. I keep going, we're in LA. I don't know what everybody's complaining about. We could be gone in an earthquake today. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know who else, you know who else said that? Uh, of course, people who were like military and things said that. But another person who said that was I had this guest who 20 years ago, 25 years ago this year, became paralyzed. And I go, how did you handle all the uncertainty? And he scoffed. He's like... I've been dealing with it ever since I got paralyzed. So for him, it was just like, this is normal. And it's, it's the same type of thing that you just said. Yeah. Uh, one of those messages in my book is you can't tell me bad news because to me, I was just brought to my knees as they say, rock bottom. And I was in a therapist office, hopeless, devastated, like, I was like, I can't, they took my license. I was single alone. I was like, I can't work. How am I supposed to, she was, you'll find a way. And it was just like, I couldn't see a way. So when the worst things happen to you, no matter what happens, you will change if you make it, you know, you can change for the better. That's what's going to change you. We don't change when things are great. How can people stay up to date and follow your career and follow you along your journey in 2021? I think Instagram is my best mm -hmm. at pretty funny Nicole. Great, great, I, great tag, by the way. It's a brilliant tag. It, it's from a joke. I, that again, that's something that was really hard for me to, to use because I thought it was so conceited, but it's from a joke about 
you know, um, people don't think you can be pretty and funny. And I say, mm -hmm. that's not true. And the truth is you just can't be pretty funny and smart. <laughs> can't be all those three. So it's, so then it was pretty funny, Nicole, but, um, yeah. And then I do do Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. I don't accept friend requests when I don't know the people because I'm kind of, I don't know if everybody else, I'm just so over a lot of these, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook, it shows you like four people. So I don't even get to see. So I kind of don't even get on there much, but I do have a page. I try to, you know, just do little things to keep it active. Twitter. I like Twitter. Mm -hmm. I've actually, I think that was, has been the last couple of months, another favorite. Um, Cause it's just so, but it's such a dark hole. <laughs> I just, I gotta get sucked in that rabbit hole. I gotta, I gotta get off Twitter too. Yeah, yeah. It's, so toxic. it's so vicious. So thank you. It was fun. Great. Great questions. Thank you. Thank you. I want to encourage you to, to finish the book. Uh, I know you don't need any more so encouragement, good. but it's really, it's a really good book. I actually, I, I always thought, um, I mean, I know we've all messed up and I know we've all got a story, but when I tell people my story, they're like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay. And, but the, the main part of the story is because people look at me now and they just think it's all, I have it all together and it is so wrong you know so it's truly don't judge a book by its cover because i was a train wreck even when people didn't see it i was the worst mess inside and you name it i did it wrong you know all these toxic things and the book is meant to inspire people so i hope I to help it. people that are in the in the dark like i used to be i did not know we were going to talk this long oh you don't know me <laughs> Well, most of the time when I talk to people, it's, it's, it's usually around 30 minutes and it's, and I've had many conversations that go this long and it's always great. I always enjoy that, but it's a, so it's a compliment. Thank you. This was, this was awesome. I wasn't expecting it. Pleasant surprise. Yeah, it was so fun. You, yeah. Somebody who has a lot in common. We do. We do. This was wonderful. Thanks. Made my, made my month. Love it. So. I'm going to ask you travel questions in the message. Of course. <laughs> Perfect. You're, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Nicole. Be sure to give her a follow on social media and you can check out her website at prettyfunnynicole.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs> <laughs>